What's going on, everybody? It's Dylan James right here on JDF Media. Out of bounds, Dylan James. This evening, we'll be talking about week one in the NFL. It's in the books. It was a weird weekend. I, I guess that's the, that's the easiest way to put it. It's, I guess, the shortest way to put it. It was a very, very weird weekend. But we're going to break down everything for you this evening. If you want to hop in the chat, feel free to do so. We have the chat running this evening. We'll pop your comments on the screen, answer all the questions you may have about your favorite NFL football teams. But first of all, I'm going to introduce my co-host, as always, Tyler Sorensen. Tyler, how did you enjoy watching NFL football again? Uh, I missed it. I loved it. Obviously, it's different than watching college and high school and getting all those kids, but there's just there's a special something, especially when the Packers beat the Bears week one. It's it it puts hope in your heart. Hopefully that will be going on throughout the rest of the season, which it took a little bit of a hit on Monday night for some Packer fans. Some people were cheering, but we'll talk about that in a bit. And I gotta yell at some Packer fans because a lot of them were cheering about it, and that's just wrong. I've got to yell at some Titans fans tonight as well. There were some Titans fans out there giving some overreactions after week one, which I completely understand, but we will talk more about that later in the show as well. But a lot to get to. But before we do that, also with Matt LaFleur, I believe, what, he's 9-0 and now against the Chicago Bears? Yep, 9-0. and Has not lost a single, a single game against the Chicago Bears. So. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. No. I want to hear also in the chat, if anybody's out there, who is a Justin Fields stan. Because we heard a lot of hype about Justin Fields coming into the season. This could be an MVP year for him. He could have a breakout season. He is in his element now with the Chicago Bears. I I didn't see that against the Green Bay Packers whatsoever. I I did not see what everyone was telling me in the offseason and in the preseason as well. So I, I would love to hear some people in the chat. Let me know what you think about Justin Fields. And if you are a stand out there, let me know why you're a stand because he did not look very good. Um, he looks kind of like a Dollar General version of Jalen Hurts, and that's saying something. So let, let's get into this, though. We'll talk about contract extensions first because we had some contracts come through, some very important contracts. We'll talk about one at the very beginning of the show, um, at once we're talking about the week one recap, because it's related to one game that happened on Thursday night football, the kickoff game of the season with the Kansas city chiefs versus the Detroit lions. But first we have two players who got contract extensions before the week started. One was Joe Burrow. He's on a five year, $275 million contract extension with the Cincinnati Bengals, the highest play, the highest paid NFL player in NFL history. Uh, huge signing by the Bengals. I think this was the right signing for the Bengals as well. He has just shown such poise in his first few years as the starting quarterback there in Cincinnati, and I think he has a lot to show moving forward in the league. So kudos to Joe. Kudos to the, the Bengals for getting it done as quickly as they did because lock him down now. Lock him down where yeah. the price is cheap. I mean, it, it is an expensive contract, but the, the price is still going to go up. The cap hit is still going to keep going up. So it's good to lock him in now, keep him at that price for five more years and go from there. But um, kudos to them for that contract. Also, another key figure in the San Francisco 49ers defense who showed up really big in the game against uh, in San Francisco this past weekend. Nick Bosa signed a five-year, $170 million contract extension, $34 million per year in new money. So congrats to Nick Bosa on that contract as well. But there was another contract that happened 
that happened after this game. But I want to talk about the game first, then we'll talk about the uh, the extension. So going into the Chiefs game versus the Lions, we didn't have two main cogs of that team on the field. One being Travis Kelsey, obviously, because of his his bone bruise in his knee. He had a hyperextension of his knee earlier in practice that week, and he decided not to go. The, the, the coaches told him no go for him. We'll possibly see him in week two, maybe week three. Most likely week two, though, with how poorly they played on Thursday Night Football. Another player they were missing out there as well was a man by the name of Chris Jones, who was actually in the building for the game in a suite watching in street clothes as the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Detroit Lions 21-20, to as close as you could get it, at home in Kansas City. So Tyler, I'm, I'm going to start with you first. What were your thoughts about this game? What were your thoughts about the offense and Patrick Mahomes and, on the other side, Jared Goff? and the Detroit Lions offense? Uh, for At least for the Chiefs, I think we finally realized the answer that Patrick Mahomes is human, at least partially. Not completely human, but at least partially human. He does need some wide receivers out there that can actually catch the ball. Uh, Kadarius Tony had some very, very bad drops. Sky Moore was basically irrelevant after talking, basically talking about him. Rasheed Rice, it was just nowhere to be seen. Basically, the entire wide receiver court... No, great, a decent fill-in for Kelsey, but you need to have somebody that's a big target guy. Kelsey is him, but other than that, it was just him really out there doing everything he can. And then for the side of Detroit, it's Jared Goff was looking good. I think, I know I had the Chiefs, or the Lions winning, excuse me, Lions winning, but I thought it was going to be a, like sort of like it was a few years ago when Jared Goff was still on the Rams, a offensive battle completely, but apparently it wasn't, and it was just... Hey, we did our we did our job well, and it, it showed it completely with the with sort of how the Detroit style was played. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to this game. I was driving down to Mississippi to go see family, and then on the way to the New Orleans game versus the Titans this past weekend, I was driving down listening to the game, and it just sounded like it was just discombobulated. I was able to watch back some of the the throws that Patrick Mahomes threw to Kadarius Tony where Kadarius Tony was just not on the same page. He was just dropping balls left and right, and it did not look good for him. It did not look good for Tony at all, especially with some of the plays that he made last year, how promising he looked in the Chiefs' offense, and then just looked abysmal on Thursday. I know that he missed some time in training camp and some time in the preseason as well. So that might be the reason why, too. He wasn't on the same page as Patrick Mahomes throughout the game, Patrick Mahomes throughout the game, but... Unfortunately for them, I mean, he just was not showing up. The ball was hitting him in the hands. Patrick Mahomes was getting it to him. It looked kind of like the Super Bowl from a few years ago when Patrick Mahomes was laying horizontal in the air, throwing a ball to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill just hitting him in the hands, not catching it in the end zone. Um, That's what it looked like to me. It looked like it was just one of those games that Patrick was trying to do all he could, especially without having Travis Kelsey on on the field with him to get the ball down the field and score some points. And just his wide receivers were not helping him at all in this game. So that's not a good look for Patrick Mahomes. But on the other side, Jared Goff, 22 of 35, 226, two touchdowns and interception. I mean, not a bad stat line for Jared. As long as he can do that throughout the entire season and the Lions show up the way they did on Thursday, I mean... This team's going to make the playoffs. 
barring injuries, barring anything crazy, because obviously we know what injuries can do to a team after seeing some major injuries this weekend, which we'll talk more about. But barring any injuries, I think the Lions are going to safely make the playoffs this year from what they showed us on Thursday. Yeah, Again, if Jared I, Goff... Continue, yeah. Yeah if, Jared, yeah, if Jared Goff continues to play the way that he does, just keeping the ball safe, obviously he did have that one pick, but it's like, even then, two touchdowns, 235, 253 yards, out, what... 13 missed passes like that's gonna that's average for a quarterback i think if you keep the ball safe he's gonna get it and then he has explosive running games obviously uh david montgomery played a really good part of it 21 carries 74 yards one touchdown jimmy gibbs looked decent too he looked like a nice little gadget back a nice little def- uh change of pace back from montgomery he's gonna be running down the tackles which i think we sort of thought but i think we they utilized him very very well with just getting david montgomery the ball making him letting him make those plays because he did it good with Chicago when he was healthy, but he just ended up getting hurt. And then it became Khalil Herbert's team, unfortunately. So now he's up in Detroit making another name for himself, just like another running back that is now in someplace else in New Orleans, Jamal Williams, who made a name for himself in Detroit. And I wouldn't be surprised if David Montgomery does the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jamil, Jamal Williams down in New Orleans, he looked human. On Sunday, didn't really have the best numbers out there. I mean, the Tennessee Titans defense, rushing defense, held the Saints to under 100 yards rushing. That's the seventh game in a row the Titans have done that on defense. So kudos to them. Uh, Great rushing defense, but at the same time, Jamal Williams didn't look the best in that system. But yeah, in Detroit, man, they, they looked good. David Williams, I mean, David Montgomery did look good in that system, and there were, were some people out there saying, why why put Jameer Gibbs out there for just a few plays? He didn't really have many touches in this game. Yes, he went in there sporadically. Uh, Dan Campbell did come out saying, we are going to use him sparingly. We're going to ramp him up in, in the game uh, to make it to where it's not just a, you know, throw it in your face, jump in the deep end kind of scenario. But it looked like Jameer Gibbs was up for the challenge. Uh, I, yeah. that, that was the surprising thing to me. I think they would have probably scored more than 21 points if Jameer Gibbs was more involved in the offense against the Chiefs, especially not having Chris Jones there. That's, an, that's a, a very, very good game for Jameer Gibbs to have even more touches, J- just to see what he can do against a team that's going to be weak on the defensive line because they're, they're missing one of their best pass rushers or the, their best pass rusher in Chris Jones. So... That was the only confusing thing to me with Dan Campbell. I know they're going to get him ramped up in the system, and and we'll probably see more and more of Gibbs throughout the season and make it to where it's more of a 50-50 split with Montgomery. But um, overall, I think the Lions did a great job. I I think they did a great job, great game, great game plan for Dan Campbell moving in, coming in the first game of the year against the defending title champions. Uh, You know, that's, that's huge, huge for Detroit. So kudos to them. Um, But with that, after that performance, they realized that they needed to have Chris Jones. So they signed him to an extension. His extension is a one-year deal worth up to $25 million with incentives. Um, and it sounds like there's not a lot of new money on this contract. It sounds like he was going to get paid this regardless this year, if he had signed a new contract or not. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how Chris Jones does. You know, he didn't really play much in training camp. Didn't really do much in the preseason either. So, I mean, maybe... You know, we we don't want to see a, a an Aaron Rodgers scenario with Chris Jones. That would not be bode well for Chris Jones, nor would it bode well for the Chiefs. But we'll see 
how that goes. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, something like that happens to another player in the next few weeks at least. So um, let's move on to the Carolina game, Atlanta. Carolina, uh, Bryce Young coming out, making his rookie debut. Didn't look the best, but could have had a worse day. Yeah, it looked like a kind of average quarterback. Yeah, looked, looked like, like a rookie, rookie quarterback. quarterback. Yep, especially against uh, Atlanta. Atlanta having you know has some some very good play callers out, playmakers out there. Um, Tyler Algier actually had more touches than than Bijan Robinson in this game and played very well. Um, had a lot of fantasy points. He was on my bench, unfortunately, but he had a lot of fantasy points this weekend. Um, I will definitely be playing him quite a bit more as a flex player. Wesley Burton chiming in. How's it going, Wesley? Thanks. Welcome to the show. Uh, let us know what you thought about the games this past weekend. What was your what was your number one takeaway from the weekend, Wesley? We'd love to get that your thoughts there. But um, overall, I think Bryce had an okay day. They still they still put up ten points in the game. I mean, it could have been better. Could have been worse. Yeah, could have been a lot worse. So I, I think Carolina is right where they're going to be this season. I, I don't yeah. necessarily see Carolina being a threat in the NFC this year. It's it's just a rebuilding team at this point, and Atlanta proved it. Yeah, it really is. And to think that they had the ninth pick overall before they traded for the first overall, and then you got rid of your starting quarterback, your star wide receiver, you got rid of a lot of key pieces. It's going to be a rebuilding team. And I think also with the Atlanta Falcons, too, it could have been a lot worse for, for Bryce Young. Just having two interceptions is pretty good, especially having with Atlanta having one of the better defensive back units. They have uh, Jesse Bates. And AJ Terrell now, like it, it's a pretty good defense out there. That's gonna be it's gonna be going after players. Obviously, they have Calais Campbell too, with his old, very very old veteran leadership. I think it's gonna be a tough team for them. And I think I think more than likely they're gonna be the favorites coming out of the NFC South. But they played a good game, twenty four to ten. Desmond Ritter looked like Desmond Ritter. He held the ball a little. He held it. They didn't really utilize him that much. Fifteen for eighteen, hundred fifteen yards and a touchdown. I think they're going to be. I would not be surprised if they don't make the playoffs. They're going to be if they're not looking for a quarterback within the next few years. Because I don't think Desmond Ritter is going to be it in that Atlanta in that Atlanta system. Yeah, I mean, they don't really need him to be it on Sunday. I want them to get into a game where they need him to be the guy, where he needs to throw 25, 30 passes. See how he does in that scenario. Because I mean, fifteen of eighteen. Not a bad, not, not a bad day for him either. I mean, a pretty good day overall. No turnovers. I mean, that's something that sticks out too for Desmond Ritter. So, um, I, th- I think that fifteen of eighteen is not a bad day for him. But yes, they, they definitely need to they definitely need to give him a bit more opportunity out there to yeah. show especially, what he can do. Yeah, especially when you have Kyle Pitts and Drake London on the edge, two very high profile guys. You got you want to get them the ball, and if you're not getting them the ball, then what are you really doing? Like, yeah, it, it's rough. And Drake There's London was non-existent on Sunday. Non-existent. Yeah. Where was yeah, it? I, I mean, no, yeah. no utilization whatsoever. Just not good for Desmond Ritter that way. But he got the ball to Kyle Pitts at least once, twice. Saw that I saw Twitter or X blow up whenever Kyle Pitts was uh got the ball. So I mean that's that's a good thing. Getting the ball to one of your playmakers. That's good. Bijan Robinson had a pretty good touchdown too. But once again, Algier had two touchdowns on Sunday. So they got yeah. the ball. They they threw the ball around, uh, but they need to, they definitely need to uh, 
to do better when it comes to playmakers like Drake London because he needs to get involved. Yeah. Um, let's go to the next game. Bengals and Browns. Did you see this happening? Did you see the Browns? Oh. I mean, like, did you see the Browns? First of all, did you see the Browns winning this game? I, I wouldn't have been surprised if the Browns won this game because I think they were rushing Joe Burrow back from his calf injury a little bit too fast. And if they had him already back up, I think it would have been a little bit rough. I don't think it would. I would not have guessed this score, twenty four to three. I think it. I think it would have been like okay, it's probably going to be like twenty fourteen, maybe a little bit closer than that. Not twenty four to three with basically the entirety of the Bengals' offense being non-existent. Yeah, and also with Jamar Chase coming out before the game saying we're playing up against little elves, and then at the very end of the game, after at the post game press conference when he was talking to the reporters in his locker room he said you know i called them elves and we just got beat by elves we just got beat by some some little elves so uh not the best performance but a really good quote so that that's good for him at least but i i i find this again it's an anomaly and and we've talked about it over and over and over again we're gonna talk about it for the titans game too preseason matters the preseason matters. I mean, I, I don't care who you are. I know there are people out there that say, oh, well, don't put a lot of stock in the preseason. You know, what, what, they're, they're running up against sec, twos and threes out there instead of starting units most of the, the majority of the time. Okay. But that still gives you in-game reps. It still gives you live reps against an opposing team, especially if you don't have joint practices with these teams in the preseason. If you're not practicing with these teams you're practicing with your same guys over and over and over again if a quarterback's going against his own corners who in practice they look good but come to find out in reality they're the 31st worst cornerback group in the league then obviously it's going to be a bit different on game day <laughs> i mean you, you need to play up against talent in the preseason regardless of if it's ones twos threes fours out there i mean you you need to have live in-game reps and in this scenario joe burrow i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt obviously he had a calf injury and he was out for the entire training camp he was out for preseason but everybody else i mean come on the chemistry you guys had last year should have been able to carry over into this game at least a little bit to score more than three points in the game 24 to 3 is abysmal Uh, that's terrible however it is week one it's an overreaction to say that the Bengals are just not a good team anymore that's completely overreaction um in this scenario also jake and jack conklin an offensive lineman for the browns went down with a season ending injury as well acl tear so unfortunate for them that's going to be one piece they miss and he, he was a a pro bowl um lineman as well so Tough break for the Browns. Tough break for several teams this weekend. But, again, I mean, I, I think they're going to bounce back. Joe Burrow's going to be Joe Burrow once again. It just takes time. But I just have a feeling all these coaches out there just have such low stock in the preseason that it just ruins a team at the very beginning of the year. It makes it to where those games are washes. But, again, you have 17 games. I don't think they realize. You have a very... Some of these seasons come down to the very last game of the year. So having that week one win with a team that you prepared well in the preseason might actually help you in the end. 
might come yeah, bite you in the butt if you lose too. So we'll see. Yeah, especially if it is a division rival like it was. Like it's they're going to be coming to play, and obviously Joe Burrow. I still think, he, like I said before, he was. I think he was rushed back from his injury. I think it would have been better to have the backup in, get him another week off. I think a lot of people also take it to advantage. Like oh, week one. It's whatever. If we lose week one, we lose week one. But a lot of times, especially if you're facing a division rival, like that could be life or death if you're in the playoffs or not, if you're not as well as you think you could be. And I think the AFC North is going to be a tough division, especially with how well that Browns team played, held Joe Burrow to under 100 yards in his first time in his career. Like they ran over him, played good defense. Joe Mixon only had 56 yards rushing. Like it's going to be a tough defense to face as well as the tough run-the-ball offense. They, they can't still can't really throw it all that much, but they're going to be running that ball down your throats every single time they can. Yeah, absolutely. And Wesley is popping in, speaking of the AFC North. Broken-hearted for J.K. Dobbins. As an OSU fan, I really want him to have a successful career. I wanted the Colts to take him, but they passed and took JT. Not sure which has been more disappointing so far. The Giants dropping the big zero on Sunday Night Football, which we'll talk about in just a little bit, made for a very boring game. Enjoyed Peyton and Eli and John McEnroy. Um, go Saints, and congrats, Tyler. I didn't see the pack doing as well as they did in all facets of the game. So congrats to your pack. Um, a lot to break down there. First of all, we'll talk about the Ravens game because, yes, there was an unfortunate, unfortunate injury, which wasn't the only one that was an Achilles injury this this weekend. J.K. Dobbins going down, heartbreaking. I mean, that's yeah. the best way to put it, like Wesley said. It's very heartbreaking to see J.K. Dobbins go down with that injury, especially with how many injuries he's had throughout his career. And coming into this game, had high helps for the Ravens. Most people had high helps for the Ravens. I, for one, did not have them making the playoffs. I still have that same prediction. I don't think they're making the playoffs this year, and especially this injury. I don't think that's going to help them. But Ravens losing J.K. Dobbins the first week of the season – a main cog for the success of Lamar Jackson too, especially in that, in that offense, Uh tough break, tough break for the Ravens. And they, they won um, this weekend against the Texans, which it could have been, easy. it could have been better competition, but it's the Texans and it's the first game of the year for CJ Stroud, which he didn't really do the best either this past weekend. So, um, but JK Dobbins te- tearing his ACL, or as Achilles, I'm sorry. Um, CJ Stroud going 28 for 44, 242, no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, Damian Pierce 11 for 38 on the game on the day as well. Lamar Jackson 17 of 22, 169, one interception. So no passing touchdowns for Lamar Jackson this past weekend. Shocker. Um, Gus Edwards 8 for 32, and Justice Hill actually showed up a little bit as well in this game having a touchdown or two, I believe, um, in this one. So Justice Hill coming in for J.K. Dobbins and was able to to score for him, which was good. But, I mean, at the end of the day, how much do you think this J.K. Dobbins injury affects the, the Ravens moving forward? I, I think it's going to affect them a bit because especially, like, you look at this sort of newfound Ravens offense. Obviously, they got that the OC from um, Georgia, I believe it is. So it's going to be a lot more passing, and you're going to have to rely on that run game. You're going to rely on that explosiveness, and you don't really have it now with without J.K. Dobbins. He's your explosive back. Now you have Gus Edwards, Gus the Bus, and Justice Hill as your two backs, which they are they are reliable. Obviously, Justice Hill got two touchdowns, eight for eight rushes for nine yards. It's not really much, 
but it's going to be rough, especially coming back from coming from a team that wants to make the playoff and wants to make a Super Bowl. Obviously, they have an MVP caliber quarterback with uh, Lamar Jackson, who has won an MVP before, but he hasn't really been that same stuff as my dog just appears in the background. <laughs> um, but yeah, you have this sort of playoff prediction, and again, the AFC North is going to be rough, and obviously they were able to beat up on a Texans team that had the second overall pick, but it's not always going to be that. You're going to have to face tough teams in the AFC North that uh, one of them got destroyed by the 49ers, and I think they're going to be ready for revenge soon. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, going to Wesley's comment again, he was talking about the Colts as well, saying they passed on J, uh, J.K. Dobbins and got J.T. instead. But looking at the Colts weekend two, another rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson, came out there. Was 24 of 37 for three or for 223, one touchdown, one interception. Um, ran the ball 10 times, got 40 yards and a touchdown on the ground as well. Um, Deion Jackson, 13 of 14. Trevor Lawrence had a pretty good day as well. 24 of 32, 241, two touchdowns, one interception. Ran the ball seven times for 21 yards. Travis Etienne had 18 carries, 77 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Wesley said, anyone think they would benefit and be better off signing J, uh, K Hunt, Kareem Hunt? Colts might have. I mean, I mean, I think I think any team is is wanting a Kareem Hunt right now. I think he. I know that they were talking about it. I believe either in the Monday night or Sunday night game. I remember talking about it. I remember hearing about it. I don't remember where, but I know that they were talking about how he's just sort of waiting for the perfect opportunity. And I think if if you're Baltimore, you're gonna get him because he's still a good running back. He he was a great running back for Cleveland. He's still got fresher legs. He's not, He wasn't a featured back in Cleveland. Obviously, that's Nick Chubb. He hasn't really been a feature back since he was in Kansas City when he got sort of expelled from the league for half a year. So you see, he's got a fairly fresh guy. I think he could go to, to Baltimore and do fairly well for them. I think he could be a great addition for that team, and I think he would fit in very well with sort of that culture that they have because they want to run the football a lot, and I think he'll fit in perfectly with it. And it's a lot of downhill running, but I think at the same time, you have that he's also very explosive. He's not as fast as you'd probably want from your feature running back, like since you had J.K. Dobbins, but he can he can get it done a lot. Yeah, and I think a tandem of, of Kareem Hunt, of Edwards, of Justice Hill, I think a three-headed monster running back like that would be would be decent. I think, it'd be, I think it'd be a good running back room if they got uh, Kareem Hunt. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Baltimore decided to kick the tires on Kareem Hunt because that was the most effective injury that we saw this weekend for running backs was J.K. Dobbins. So um, I think that's going to affect the Ravens the most. And so I think at that point, I think Kareem Hunt might be a good addition. Um, are there Who are the other running backs that are available currently besides Kareem Hunt? Um, I know Melvin Gordon is on the is on the Ravens practice squad. I think he's going to get called up. Most likely, he's going to get called up too, unless they get Kareem Hunt. I can't. I don't really think anything. Kenyon Drake, but he hasn't really been the same. Like I don't think there's any like notable running backs that, in my opinion, are really good. I think like Kareem Hunt's like the best one that you can think of, unless you want like some third string backup 
like obviously Delvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott are on their teams. So those were like the, the main two cogs, and Kareem Hunt was like the third best. Can't really think of anything else really that yeah. they'd want. Maybe unless they want like some practice squad explosive rookie. I think Kareem Hunt will probably be the best best bet for them. I okay. mean, I, again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a story come out in the next few days of them kicking the tires of Kareem Hunt, bring him out for a tryout, just to see, just see how he does. I think that might be a, a good scenario for both sides. Uh, Kareem Hunt has a fresh start somewhere in an offense that needs a rushing attack. And I think that Kareem Hunt could definitely fit in in that scenario. So not maybe, not as, maybe not as fast as J.K. Dobbins, not as, not as explosive as J.K. Dobbins, but still a very good piece back there with uh, Lamar Jackson. It'd be crazy too is if they traded for Jonathan Taylor. That would be an insane trade. That'd be interesting. I I, I don't. Think... I mean, w- no, because I was about to say I, the, the Bills got Naheem Hines, so they already have yeah. a relationship when it comes to having a running back. I know there was there there were some rumors out there that potentially there could be another Bills Colts trade for them to get Jonathan Taylor since they already have that relationship, but. Ravens for Jonathan Taylor would not be a bad idea. Yeah, especially I, I don't if Kareem Hunt isn't as filled as Ethanian, because obviously he's been to multiple trials and hasn't gotten signed yet. So if he is as if he did miss a step, then maybe he comes in for a tryout, doesn't like what they say, and they're like, hey, JT's on the trade block. He looks healthy. He's just been healthy scratches. Obviously, it's been rumored that he's had a back injury, but you want to have an all pro running back in your backfield? Get JT. Yeah, Wesley says anyone that needs running back help should call KC to see what it would take to get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I feel like he has a lot left, and a change of scenery would do him well. He does have a lot left. He was only drafted in 2020. However, it's Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's been off the field quite a bit, almost as injured as J.K. Dobbins has been the past few years. So I don't know if that would be the best call, especially for the Ravens, maybe depth-wise, but... Being a featured back, uh, they would they'd be looking for a feature back at that point. Yeah, and I, I, I don't, don't think, think that, that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is the answer there. You know, and I still like Clyde Edwards Hilaire on the on the Chiefs. I just yeah. think he fits it well too much. Obviously, you have Isaiah Pacheco and uh, Jarrett McKinnon there still, but I think him being a third down, like every once in a while back, I think it fits him well. And I don't think he's really going to be much more than that unless he does get a change of scenery and just explodes. But I don't think you're really going to see that from a feature back go from third string to be feature unless it's some one hit wonder, which could happen, but it could, it, it's going to be rough. It could. I, I think that Clyde is comfortable in Kansas city. He knows the offense. He knows that he can still produce when he's on the field, at least um, hasn't really shown it too much because again, he just gets injured quite a bit, but having those two other running backs there to give him some, give him some time off the, off the field on the sideline to, you know, get back to normal in games and such. I think that's beneficial. So I think he'll probably just stay there in Kansas city. Um, is Fournette done? Wesley asks. I don't I think, think so. he's retired, but I, I think, think he's, done. he's done. I think like, he's done. I don't, he couldn't move with Tampa Bay and he's only been in the league for five years, six years. Even with Jacksonville, he didn't really have a drive to, be better. He had a few good years, but it's like he just couldn't move anymore. He was yeah. just too early in his like career. He, he had a, he had good years. Yeah, yeah. Like early fresh, out of, fresh out of college, he looked great, but then he just started. It, it just it seemed like he just got too lax. 
He got two yeah. lacks in the system. He felt like he just needed to get there for a paycheck, and he did. He got the paycheck. He got the money, but and he got a Super Bowl ring too. So at that point, why, why, why else are you in the league? I mean, you get your money, you got your Super Bowl ring. Fournette can yeah. ride into the sunset for all, for all I care. Yeah, and especially with his last year in Tampa Bay, I think a lot of people saw that he was running way too high. He was just sort of running straight up. I don't think he really cared. No. No, he didn't he really care to get better. Answer. It's just, I don't know. It's That's just like, it's rough. Chris Nosick is in the chat. Dylan, you're alive. Yes, I am alive. I've been on this show twice in the past two weeks. So, I mean, obviously you're not watching JDF media or subscribe to the podcast on Apple music, on Google podcast on Apple. Uh, I'm sorry. Amazon music as well. There's several platforms you can listen to our show. So hopefully you are subscribed to those channels and you can hear us more often because we're here weekly Tuesdays, 9 PM, 9 PM Eastern time. Um, Chris said, when will BB accept the fact that, Kendrick Bourne is his number one wide receiver. I don't think you necessarily need to say who your number one wide receiver is in that system. I mean, it, it, yes, he played very, very well on, on Sunday. I think it's just Bill Belichick likes to have his guys for certain games. Kendrick Bourne played well. I mean, played, played, played pretty well up against a team that, you know, um, did pretty well last year as well. So I, I think that the Pats, they played well. They had Tom Brady come back. They had the the ring of honor ceremony for Tom Brady. He went out there, took off his jacket during halftime, ran down the field in his, in his Patriots number 12 Jersey, say LFG. Let's go baby. You know, Tom Brady doing his, his old school stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, I don't think I don't I don't think that Bill Belichick's like he doesn't like titles, especially last year. He didn't he didn't like the title of offensive coordinator. <laughs> I mean, he was just like somebody play call somebody call plays out there. Hey, Matt Patricia, come over here and play calls uh, call plays for the offense, even though you're a defensive guy. Just just call plays, please. I don't think he really cares about the titles. Um, but I mean, the Pats played pretty well. Mac Jones had us finally had a good year. I think last year's just gonna be a blip on his record. Three touchdowns, one interception, thirty-five for fifty-four. Obviously, you don't want to have your starting quarterback throw it that much, but you got to do what you got to do to try to win it. And unfortunately, they weren't able to because it ended up twenty-five twenty, and they were just able to run the clock out. But yeah, Zeke Elliott had seven carries for twenty-nine yards as well. Still weird. It's still very weird because it is very weird. Too. 16 or 15 is just like it just doesn't look right like some numbers just shouldn't be running back numbers for big for like bruiser backs like i think if you're a bruiser back you need to be in like the 20s if you're a shifty back then you can be in the teens but like you need to be a bruiser back if you're you need to be in the 20s if you're a bruiser back like i remember was it frank gore was like number five for a year or something like that i think i, I believe so yeah and that just looked so weird it just looks so weird on him rather than Oh, look at this. John Suggs popping in the chat. Well, 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 didn't I tell you about that week one loss? John, listen. Listen, we'll get to it, okay? We'll get to it. We're going to talk about the Titans. We're going to talk about the Packers as well. We'll get to that. I promise. I don't even think... You weren't even here last week. What are you talking about week one loss? Do you remember his comment last week? Did he comment last week and I just forgot it? I think so. 
I don't remember John Suggs popping in the chat last. I can't. Week, I, but... Here's the thing, though. I can't remember what I did last night. Yeah, we had a we had a we had our freshman game. And we got beat by thirty six. Uh, I don't remember last night. It it was been a rough. No, rough what few I said. Days for I said it three weeks ago. <laughs> okay, John. Again, the referees hey, said it. But... The referees screwed them. Screwed the pooch. Um, we'll talk about that. Three interceptions. Not the three interceptions. Well, I mean, look at Josh Allen last night. Four turnovers. And they weren't Apple either. Four of them. And are we talking about Josh Allen today? Yeah, some people a- are. As bad as Ryan Tannehill? Saying like he needs, he needs to get Wait, shipped out of town. People, a, lot of, a lot of people are talking bad about Josh Allen. But are they saying he needs to get shipped out of town? Are they saying that we need, we need to go to the rookie quarterback? We need to go to another quarterback besides Josh Allen. Because Josh Allen threw three interceptions and a fumble last night. I mean, Josh Allen's Josh Allen. He's going to have that pretty boy. John Suggs. Western. I am. Wyoming. Whoa. Been saying it for years, John Suggs. He played reckless. I watched Dan Orlovsky today on ESPN talk about Josh Allen, showed some of the plays. He said there were about seven plays he identified that Josh Allen was just playing recklessly. Just reckless. I wouldn't be surprised there's more. Someone said if it, it was similar to a what Julian Edelman would do in that same frame as a quarterback. Just yeah. a very reckless player. Just, I think I can chuck it down the field, down to the end zone, instead of dumping it off to my running back who's in the flat or dumping it off to my wide receiver who had a hitch route at the sticks. I'm just going to chuck it down there to the, to the end zone, see what happens, and d- throws in double coverage. Just not the best. John Sugg says yeah. Josh Allen has more interceptions than these. Jared Goff, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr, Baker Mayfield, Kirk Cousins, Carson Wentz, Sam Darnold, Dak Prescott since 2018. I mean, yeah, he's really taking the mantle of, of Brett Favre. Yeah. It will throw those deep balls but get those interceptions. You know, that's a, that's a really good comparison. The Brett Favre of our era. I, I, I think that's a really, really good comparison. Just because he's good, he'll, he get, your te- he'll get your team to the, the playoffs, but then he can never get past the hump. He can never get over the hump. Arv hey, did it twice. Well, and Josh Allen has yet to do it. But he still has a long career ahead of him, potentially. If he Yeah, I think, let's see, Favre did it in, God, 93, 94. So. <laughs> kind of like Rodgers. Well, Green Bay has, has their more, profile. He... Green Bay has yeah. their profile of a quarterback. And it's Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Now, Jordan Love, I, I don't think he, he showed a lot of reckless abandon like those two guys did on Sunday. I mean, Rodgers isn't really I don't okay, this is going to sound very very harmonized. I don't think Rodgers was reckless. Rodgers was methodical, if that makes sense. So he didn't really throw that many interceptions. Favre, he didn't. He didn't. No. Favre has like almost 200 more interceptions than the next guy in the interception leaderboard. Rodgers was just like this last year he was a little bit I think his arm was starting to go last year, so that's why you, see, you saw a lot more interceptions. He wasn't able to chuck the ball as far as he wanted to. But he was he was methodical with making sure the ball got out or got out of bounds. That's why he had a lot of incompletions throughout his With career. Dylan James. What? I'm, oh. <laughs> but no, I, I genuinely think that. I genuinely think that. I think 
I think that was good for his career, and I think I hope Love can do the same thing. And I think, I think, Allen needs to think about that and think about it methodically rather than just be like, "F it, digs it down there somewhere." Yeah, and he's he was doing that quite a bit last night, and that's the reason why they lost in overtime. Which we'll talk about that game too. We have a lot of games to talk about. Thanks for joining us. If you have, if you want to, hop in the comments, give us your questions, give us your comments about what you saw in Week One. John, give us some more takes on what you thought happened this weekend that you that stuck out to you i guess you could say what stuck out to you this weekend we'll talk more about the jets game we'll talk more about the titans game packers game towards the end of the show um, but we're kind of going through some of the other games that happened on thursday sunday and monday as well um another game that happened buccaneers versus vikings this one was actually people told me especially on the show last week people were saying oh minnesota's not gonna make the playoffs you know, they're not as good as they were last year. And I was like, ah, oh, come on. Like, it's it's Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins, even though, like, you might not like Kirk Cousins, he still puts up pretty good numbers in games. And they still win games, like too, in the regular defense. season. What now? You might not like the defense, but their offense can carry them yeah, in games. Absolutely. Absolutely. They'll get points on the board. Um, This weekend, though, the Buccaneers came in and beat the Vikings. 20 to 17 was the score. Um, Cal, I mean, Justin Jefferson, only 85 yards away from having more than any Chicago Bear player in franchise history. Thanks for that note. Um, leader I, I for Chicago is twice, Johnny though. Morris with 5,059. Jefferson has 4,975. And he's only 24 years old. Same age as me. Ooh. Which is in that Justin Jefferson is. I'm going to make this prediction now. As long as he has a halfway decent quarterback like Kirk Cousins is, he will have more more receiving yards than Jerry Rice in his career. Oh, I can see that. For sure. Now, let's see. How many does... Obviously, they have an extra game and all that, but let's see. Jerry... And Justin Jefferson stays healthy, too. That's a big thing as well. Yeah, Jerry Rice has twenty two, almost 23,000 receiving yards. I wouldn't be surprised if he has easily 25 plus by the end of his career. Hmm. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. He, he's legit. Justin Jefferson is the guy. And that's the reason why he went number one overall in the majority of fantasy football drafts this season. I mean, he, he will get you points. He will get the ball, just toss it to him. He'll catch it. He is just, He's a very, very good wide receiver. Very good wide receiver. A, a generational talent. And it, it's a pleasure to watch him play, especially even like last year. The Colts game last year. Him coming back with Kirk Cousins to win that game, helping them in the second half. I mean, putting up yard after yard after yard. I mean, it's... Yeah, he, he, he's, yeah. he's a special talent for sure. Um, let's go through John Suggs' comments real quick. He had some thoughts of some some games that happened. Thought Pats will be better than most people think they will with their defense. Um, Brown's defense was nice. Yeah, they were. Um, think this will be Mike Tomlin's first year under 500, which I thought last year would have been, but this year, he's especially... Going, he's going to will that team to 9-8 somehow. S- somehow, some way. Even if Roger Goodell and the referees have to get involved, they're going to get 9-8 and eight because they just want to keep that storyline going. But if, if it was truly objective if it was truly fair in every single game 
yes, I, I would agree with you. I think that this would be Mike Tomlin's first year under 500. Um, Steelers didn't didn't look too hot. And, that, and the funny thing is, we talked about it last week. Kevin was on the show with us. Kevin Fitzmaurice was on the show with us, the godfather. And he said, oh, it's so interesting that the Steelers are just not being talked about. The Steelers are just that team that's just not being talked about. We know now why the Steelers were not being talked about because they were just not as good as what people thought they were probably going to be. Um, yeah, not, not not a good start for, for Mike Tomlin and the Steelers this past Sunday. I think, I think it's funny that I made a TikTok talking about the CMC run right after the right after the in like the start of the third quarter. I made a TikTok about it. And I'm like, I'm talking about the 49ers being like, I think this is probably one of the best blocking teams, blocking offensive lines that we've We'll probably ever see in the in the NFL, and I've gotten clowned. So I've gotten like four comments being like, "Oh, but they gave up three sacks to T.J. Watt, three sacks to T.J. Watt." I'm like, "It's T.J. Watt. He's gonna get the quarterback. Dude just he's going to carry that defense to uh, two teams. Like he was, he will get to that quarterback. And it's like it's T.J. Watt. He should should keyword should be the rec- be the sack uh, record leader, but they screwed him over of a sack a few years ago." I will forever live that down, not live that down because I got to keep my Wisconsin boys in check. Yeah. And especially the Watt brothers. I love them so much, but it's just one of those things where it's like, it's Watt. It's, we're in an epitome of just great defensive players that can just get to the football yep. no matter what. And it's just, it's insane. Absolutely. Um, another one here Kenny Pickett, 31 of 46, 232, one touchdown, two interceptions. Najee Harris. Six carries on the day for 31 yards. I don't get it. I, look, going through every single game, I think there's a like a don't give your running backs the football mentality. There's been a lot of people who have like less than 50 yards, less than 50 yards. Obviously, a lot of it's like running back by committee, but it's like you got to have a workhorse too. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just like the Steelers are afraid to use Najee Harris as a workhorse because he does get a little bit hurt and a little bit banged up, especially the way he runs. But you should be using him. He's a he's a first round pick for a reason. He can he's a good running back, but they just don't utilize him. And then they're sticking with Kenny Pickett, who's just I don't know what's going on with Kenny Pickett, but it just it just looks weird. I don't know if it just was just like he just him just missing his targets, but I don't know what was going on with it. I don't either. And then Brock Purdy on the on the other side, 19 of 29 for 220 and two touchdowns. Very efficient with the ball at that point. Yeah. Very efficient with the ball. If your quarterback's throwing 25 to 30 times a game and putting up over 200 yards, you probably will have a pretty good day. If you're not turning the ball over. I mean, that's the thing. In that system, we've talked about it. If you just don't turn the ball over, you're going to have success. And it turned into a 30 to seven win. So yeah, kudos to kudos to um, the crew there in San Fran. Kudos to Brock Purdy coming back from his, from his elbow injury and playing very, very well in his first game back. Yeah. Yeah. Looked really good. Brandon Ayuk had a great game too. CMC obviously just 22 of 152. Yeah. Dude is CMC is special. If he's healthy, if he's healthy, if he stays healthy this entire year, that team is winning this year. I don't care. There's, I don't think there's a single team in both the AFC or NFC that can stop it with the amount of talent that defense has and the offense to be able to keep up with it and be 
break over that off that defense. I think we saw it this year. I think really the only team we could say could do it is a team that we'll talk about in a bit, and I think it's the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I mean they they looked really good this weekend too. Tua actually think- very surprising, but we'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, but yeah, a solid performance by San Francisco this weekend, thirty to seven win against the Steelers. Broncos still look terrible. They lost by one point to Jim, Jimmy G. Um, Same score as last season. Yep. And also, it's very, very, very funny to me. Looking at this game, looking at Russell Wilson's stats, 27 of 34. When you hear that stat line, not, not even the yardage yet. When you hear 27 of 34, how many yards are you envisioning when you hear that I say, number? I would say at least over 200. At least over 200, right? That, that's that's the that's the floor. That should be the floor of your completion yards is 200 yards. 177 yards. John Suggs has 250. 177 yards passing. 27 of 34. I mean, that's that, the shot that, is, that is Russell Wilson's career in a nutshell. He is the dink and dunk master. Dink and dunk master without being very good. I mean, he won one Super Bowl. Yes, we'll give him that. But that's awful. So bad. So bad. No other words for Russell Wilson and his performance. Then you looked at Javante Williams coming back from his injury as well. 13 of 52. 13 carries, 52 yards. I mean, coming back from an injury, though, I th- I would take that for Javante I would take Williams. it, too. Oh, yeah, I would I take it, was, too. What was it? It was an Achilles, right? Mm-hmm. Or was, was it ACL? It might have been ACL, I think actually. it might have been ACL. It was something it's something lower leg, but it's like, I'll take that from coming back from an injury. Mm-hmm. 13-52, I think that's good for him, getting that ball 13 times against the Raiders defense that you should have won. Yeah. In my opinion, you should have won it. But again, going back to that stat line, 27-34, that's the Sean Payton special with Drew Brees. Dink and dunk until, until you, the clock runs out and hopefully you win. Got to shout out my boy Brian. Popping in the comments once again. Good evening, boys. The Bears still suck. The oh. Bears are still owned by the Green Bay Packers. That's And we'll talk about that in just a little bit, Brian. You did not miss that conversation. Um... Other comments here from John. Cowboys, as bad as I hate them, look legit. We'll see. Micah Parsons is scary. Micah Parsons is a beast. If he gets injured, that's when I'll have issues with the Cowboys, especially defensively. Yeah. But again, it's the Cowboys. Something's going to happen this yeah. season in the playoffs, something that will completely derail their hopes and dreams of a Super Bowl. Something will. I'm not putting too much. Again, this week, week one, it's good to see these starting units out there, getting some reps, seeing them live in person for the first time since February of this of this year. But I don't put a lot of stock into week one. I mean, there's a lot of over, overreactions that happen. That might be an overreaction at the end of the day. We might look at this at week 18 and say, woof, that Cowboys team was... Not very good. Uh, just a bad yeah. Giants team, maybe. I, th- um, I think that also it was amplified by the weather too. Dak Prescott, I don't think had a single touchdown, like 
I think that weather that on Sunday night was very very bad for the Giants with how they wanted to play the play the play the field. Yep. Um, another one here. Let me see. Thought Stafford looked good without his main target. I think the game this week against the 49ers will be interesting. Yeah, I mean, Cooper Cup, man, I, th- that was a player that I drafted just to kind of stash him away on the bench, see what happens in the season. But Stafford coming back from an elbow injury as well. He came back from an elbow yeah. injury and looked pretty good too. Didn't look, look like bad. His, look, like, look like it was 2020 again when he first got to the Rams. Yep. Able to able to get some drives going. Obviously, they don't really have they have great value sort of players, but it's like you have Aaron Donald running down Geno Smith. I think that's it's going to be scary. It's like looking back at it, it's like okay, is this team actually going to be good to lead it, or is it just or is the Seattle Magic gone now? They had last season. I think this year. I think this week will be a very, very tough opponent with them facing the 49ers. But I think, I I honestly think if they score more than 14, I think then you can go back and you can be like, okay, the Rams are trying to win and not just giving up already. Yeah. I mean, a, a big thing too, do you think that it's more impressive that the Rams won or you think it's more disappointing that the Seahawks lost? I have, I have the, I believe I have the Seahawks missing the playoffs. I think, I can't remember, really remember what I things were if I'll I don't see. Pull I'll see right if I, I pull that up for you. But I think it's more impressive that this Rams won because I only had them really winning. I know I only had the Rams winning one game, but I think it's also the whole fact of them not doing it without where well, they did it without Cooper Cup. Cam Akers wasn't even their starting, their main receive, uh, running back out of the backfield. It's a young team, and I think if as long as they're able to keep on doing it, I think it, it could go some places, especially a weaker NFC. I'm not going to say it's the weakest division, but I think it's a weaker NFC. Obviously, I think the NFC West is still pretty strong. You have the 49ers in it, so it's going to be strong no matter what. But it's it's going to be a tough division to win. Yeah. Um, you did have the Seahawks missing the playoffs. I have them in the last spot. I have them in the seventh seventh seed in the NFC. Yeah, I, couldn't so, remember, I couldn't remember if I had them making it or missing it, which I, I think it's, I think it's still possible that they miss it because I, I, I don't know. I, I need to see it. And so far, obviously it's only been one game, but I don't, I don't know if, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be the same thing. I think it might've been a one year wonder, but I think it was more impressive for the Rams to win simply because they didn't have Cooper cup one, two, neither of us had them in the playoffs this year. Neither of us did. I mean, I had them game, so. Yeah, I had them losing a lot of games. Um, but, I mean, they could still do that. It could it could just be, again, a week one anomaly that the Rams came out, played well, Seahawks weren't ready on yeah. offense or defense, and that might be the reason why, too. Again, it's week one. So uh, a lot of this can be thrown out the window by week four, week five. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, um, obviously the the honestly the first month is really like once that first month happens, then you start to realize okay, these are the trends and these are the anomalies. Yep, yep. Uh, John also said talking about the stats for Wilson, compare those to Cooper Rush stats last year, almost comparable for Wilson. Which I mean, last year Cooper Rush winning those games, I mean he didn't really necessarily need to throw it down the field that far anyway. 
So I mean, it was oh. it was more of the play calling of Kellen Moore, Kellen Moore going out there and able to draw plays to make him look good. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, Brian says, I think their defense, talking about the Cowboys, is going to carry them hard this season. That game was mainly in the defense and special teams. Yes, it was, because I had the Cowboys defense in two of my fantasy teams, and they scored, I think, like 38 points. 30 points. Ethan, by the way, Ethan is mad at you because you had the Cowboys defense. And uh, I think yeah, that helped. That helped a lot league, for me. I think he, he was like, he's like, what the hell is going on? How am I losing this? Yeah. Um, there was one bad beat I saw in fantasy. It was a guy lost by less than 0.5 points because Aaron Rodgers. Oh, and Rogers, Yeah, I saw that. I saw that one too. He lost that's, by like 0.5. And I'm just like, that's not even 0. 0.5, 0.05. Yeah, it, it, it was something very, very minuscule, but that's that's awful. Um, John Suggs, once again, agree. I think most impressive Rams winning with losing all their players from their Super Bowl run, except for Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald was a terror. Against yeah, Aaron Donald and Matt Stafford. Yep. Only two that were staying. Well, Aaron Donald coming in unblocked, looping around, coming towards Geno Smith, and there was a recording of Geno Smith saying, oh, my God, throwing the football as Aaron Donald was rushing towards him free. Um, yeah. I think that's what I would yeah. say, too, if if that was occurring with me as well. I think that would that would be what I would say. Oh, my God. Yeah. I would be killed by Aaron Donald. You're coming at me and unblocked. Yep. Yeah, not not the best there. Um, let's look and see what else. We got Miami and the Chargers was probably one of the best games of the weekend. Going yeah. down to the wire as well. But Tua, Tua's 28 for 45. 466 passing yards. Close to a Ben Roethlisberger game. Three touchdowns, one interception. Raheem Mostert was 10 of 37 for a touchdown. Justin Herbert on the other side of the field threw 23 of 33 for 228, one touchdown, five of eight carries, uh, five for 18 yards on carries, one touchdown there. And Austin Eckler was 16 for 117 in a touchdown. The big number that popped out to me was Tua having to throw 466 yards for them to win this game. If any yeah. team shuts down their passing offense... They're screwed. They're screwed. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Also, it shows, especially giving up 34 points in this game, it shows their secondary without Jalen Ramsey is not very good. It's not. I think they were hoping that he was going to stay healthy. Obviously, I don't know if he's getting hurt. But obviously, when you have Tyreek Hill going for 215 and two touchdowns, it's... It's one of those games where I think Tyreek Hill is probably one of, I don't want to say one of the best receivers, but probably one of the most explosive receivers that we have that there's that there is in the league. But this distribution too, he was let's see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different targets for Tua that he threw to. I think that's great distribution of the ball. Obviously. Uh, one of them never really got a ball, but it's like that's yeah, great distribution. Obviously, the Chargers had a little bit more, but it's like. I like this Miami team. I like how Mike McDaniels has been doing it, obviously, very, very well. And then I still got to say, too, I believe in Kellen Moore. Obviously, Justin Herbert didn't look the greatest. Lost, had some very nasty sacks and everything like that. But I think they had a good game. If it just wasn't, if it just went their way one more time, I think it could have. I think there was what? That one play that uh, 
my God, who's their the star quarterback that I was talking about before? J.C. Jackson. If he yeah. didn't have that that pass interference, I think we would have been talking about a Chargers win with Tua throwing over four yards. Like, I think I think this Chargers team is going to be legit, especially if Austin Eckler is able to do this. And then you have Joshua Kelly that came in sixteen yard sixteen carries for ninety one yards and a touchdown too. You have two really good explosive running backs back there. One that's a lot more receiving back. I think it's going to be a good team that's going to be coming out of this. Obviously, I just don't. Obviously, like I've been like now you've been saying, and now I'm starting to believe. I don't like Brandon Staley, but I think it could be. I think it could still be a good team and could make the playoffs. I, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me. But I still think decision making at the end of the day will bite Brandon Staley in the butt at some point this season. Some point this season, he's going to make a bad decision on a challenge, on a field goal attempt, on something. And it's going to screw up their season. And they're going to either miss the playoffs or have a very bad performance in the playoffs in their first game or so. Um, John Suggs says, talking about a recording, there is a recording of Tannehill after the third pick saying, all right, boys, let's wrap it up. And Oprah is on. We'll get into that game because I was down there in the Saints in the Superdome, the Caesars Superdome now um, for that game. Before we get there, I want to get over to the Packers game with Tyler here. Tyler, Jordan Love, first career start as the guy. The, he, uh, I know Second. he's had start before. Oh, I know he's had start. starts before, but yeah. the first start as the guy in Green Bay. How do you think he did? I think he did well. I think a lot of people are going to look at this and be like, oh, he threw for 15 for 27, 245, three touchdowns. Obviously, they're going to look at the three touchdowns. They're going to be like, oh, my God, he threw two touchdowns. Like, he did great. That first half, it didn't look good. I don't want to say it didn't look good. He had one really one really good drive, the first drive. It looked great. Went down the field, short field, because Bears went for it on fourth and Fourth and inches, our defense stopped him. Went down the field and went good. And then we started to go pass ball, pass ball, pass the ball. Went away from Aaron Jones, and we looked bad. As soon as we went back to Aaron Jones in the second half, we started to look good. I think he could be good. I think he could be very, very good. But I think right now we got to utilize Aaron Jones a lot more than we have been. I think this is finally the year that Aaron Jones is going to have his breakout year, and we're going to be talking about him a lot because you saw it. Last you saw it on Sunday. As soon as we started to give Aaron Jones the ball, which is our best offensive threat, he was able. To, we were able to move the ball on the Chicago Bears, and I don't think I don't want to discount Jordan Love because he is only the fifth quarterback to throw for three touchdowns versus the Chicago Bears. But it's one of those things too, where it's like you got to look at the surrounding roster. He did. If you didn't have Aaron Jones there, it's going to be very very rough for them. Obviously, Christian Watson wasn't there, so we're hoping he gets back healthy next week against Atlanta. But I think if you didn't have Aaron Jones there, I think we could have been talking about a very, very different ball game. Yeah. And obviously, of course, the score is 38 to 20. It's It looks a lot closer than it was, but I can tell you right now, we gave up two go-ahead touchdowns because we were up by 38-7, basically. Yeah. Oh, and also, Aaron Jones went down with a, a hamstring injury, did not finish the game. So hopefully he comes back from that pretty quickly because hamstrings can linger. So hopefully that yeah. doesn't that's not the case for Aaron Jones moving forward. Although you do have AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon plays pretty well too. So I mean that's a, a good yeah. secondary AJ back. 
Yeah, Adrian Dillon, Patrick Taylor, and I believe Emmanuel Wilson is still on the team, which Emmanuel Wilson looked good in the preseason. Obviously, again, it is the preseason, but I think he looked good enough to be uh, to be a good backup back. And yeah, I think Love did very well, but it's just like one of those things where it's like, I, I want to keep my temp, I want to keep my expectations low, just so that way when he I keep, I keep on seeing him improve. I think honestly, when he came in for in the Philadelphia game last year, I think that's that's sort of the peak that we could see where he's like just making these throws left and right and just dotting up a defense. But I think that first game jitters in Chicago in enemy territory where they're going to hate you. I think it's. It's one of those things too, where you gotta lean on your you gotta lean on your most your best offensive weapon. I think yeah, weapon. And I think on Sunday it was Aaron Jones. Yeah, Aaron Jones was that guy. John Suggs says he's that guy as well. He'll still get over a hundred a uh, thousand yards on the season. Yeah, he should. Yeah, I w- I'm not he surprised. He would. He should. I think Matt Lafleur finally realized, hey, we have a good guy. We should be utilizing him a lot more especially coming out at halftime. He's like, hey, we got to get him the ball, and we ended up doing that, and I think they finally realized it. And I think having him as one of our weapons, now it opens up a passing game, too, because with Christian Watson hopefully coming back next week and um, Romeo Dobbs, who looked amazing. I, he looked amazing last night, or on Sunday. I think it's going to be a great one-two punch with our running and passing game this upcoming season, and I'm I'm excited for it. Yeah, that should be a good one, too. Um, definitely for sure. And John Sugg says a team that actually stood out and played better than most thought and kind of held Baltimore as Houston. The rookie quarterback looked good. John, they only scored nine points. So I don't think they really played that good. I don't think the quarterback looked that good in his first game, but I think it's because it's Texans. I think it's Houston, but I don't know. I, I, I I didn't watch it because I was watching a different game, but I don't know. It's just, I don't, I think they still have a lot to work to do in Houston. (laughs) Yeah, it's Houston though. Okay. I'll give you that one. It's Houston. They have a very, very low bar. So looking good. I mean, defense wise, Houston usually has an okay defense too. So holding Baltimore to 25 points. I mean, that might be the reason why you're saying that as well, which I can give you that. I mean, you know, Houston has had, a good defense at times. So yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Nine points though is not good. Houston will beat the Colts this week. Don't tell Wesley that. Don't tell Wesley that, but that's going to be an interesting game to see how well both those, those rookie quarterbacks can do against pretty good defenses. Colts still have a really good defense. Um, you know, and we'll see how that goes. I'll I'll be definitely watching that game very, very closely. Yeah, not to mention, too, Nico Ryans being the head coach for Houston part of, has been part of that rivalry as a player and I was a coach. Played in San Francisco, was in uh, D.C. and San Francisco last year. He knows how to play a defense, and I think I think he's been, I think he's going to earn his keep this year, even with how bad that defense can be for Houston. I think it's going to be a lot different than it will be in Arizona for this upcoming year. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about it. We got two more games left. One, the Jets game, which we'll talk about in just a moment as we're heading out because I know you guys have heard probably everything you can hear about the Achilles torn round the world. Um, But we're going to talk about the Titans and Saints. Titans went down to New Orleans. It was 
Here are some positives. Let's talk about some positives first because I love positives. Positive, Nick Folk was 5 of 5 on field goals on Sunday with a, a, a long of 50 yards. He had a 50-yarder on Sunday as well. So that's good. And John's already saying, and now that now oh, that comedy sorry. starts, 0 for 1, about to be 0 for 2 for the Titans, which, again, yes, the Titans are playing up against the Chargers. It's going to be a difficult game. But the Chargers did not face a defense like they're going to face on Sunday when they played up against the Dolphins. The pass rush was another positive. Speaking of positives for the Titans, you had four sacks on the day, one for Big Jeff, one and a half for Arden Key, one for Danico Autry. You were getting pressure on Derek Carr all game long, and you held him to 16 points. Now, here's one stat for you. Teams that held their opponents to 16 points or less this weekend. Were there were nine nine games, but before last night, I'm not sure. I don't think last night was one of them. Um, before last night, there were nine games that went in that scenario. Those teams who held them to less than 16 points was eight and one. The one loss was the Tennessee Titans. So, John Suggs also says, "Can we finally admit when Henry don't go over 100 yards, they lose?" That was one of the negatives of the day. I think for Tim Kelly, his play calling, for the most part, it was good. I, I liked the, I liked what they were doing. There were some schemes they put out on the field that were different from last year. There was one thing with predictability, though, that it was still predictable when Ty J Spears was on the field, it was going to be a passing play. And when Derrick Henry was on the field, it was most likely going to be a run play. Um, there was still some predictability there. So hopefully that gets shored up a bit. Hopefully... They utilized Derrick Henry a bit more than they did on Sunday because he carried the ball, uh, how many times did you say, 15 times? Uh, where is it at? Yeah, 15 times for 63 yards. 15 times. So um, I think that Derrick Henry needs more utilization. I think he needs more touches in the game because I think he is the main reason why you get a DeAndre Hopkins wide open. Why you get a Traylon Burks wide open? Because they're going to be defending the run with Derrick Henry. They'll either put eight guys in the box or they're going to put an extra defender on one of your wide receivers, which gives you a one-on-one matchup on the outside, or you have Derrick Henry running into a box with helmets on helmets instead. So you have those two options. I think that's the main, that, that's, the, that's the X factor for the Titans, having all three of those guys on the field. Traylon Burks, DeAndre Hopkins, and Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry in the backfield, lining up. Looks like it's going to be a run. Play action. If it looks like it's going to be play action, give him a run. You know, just depending on what the defense is going to give you. Um, negatives of the day. Oh, and another positive as well. De- defense secondary, they gave up some yards. Passing, yes. But the defense overall only gave up one touchdown, which was a blown coverage by Christian Fulton. Because Christian Fulton had just been on the field in the second half on third down after getting a hamstring injury in the first half, something that we've all heard the past few seasons for Christian Fulton. And as John says, John Suggs says, probably going to be without Fulton. Um, depends on what happens this week in practice. Maybe he comes back from his hamstring, but that's something he definitely needs to address. 
a soft tissue injury. That's something that Mike Vrabel does not like. He feels as though the player can prepare himself better to not have those injuries, similar to a Kevin Byard. Kevin Byard has yet to have an injury like a hamstring that takes him off the field for multiple games in a season. But Christian Fulton does it on a regular basis. So I have a feeling, even if Christian Fulton has a decent year this year, I think he's gone. I think I think Christian Fulton gets moved on from next next season, and we find somebody else, maybe draft somebody, maybe get a free agent. Um, I think we'll have some other options at corner besides Christian Fulton. Um, Roger McCreary, though, is at, was playing very well as a corner, too. So he, he lined up outside when Christian Fulton wasn't out there and had a pretty good day on the outside. Um, negative, glaring negative that everyone's talking about. Ryan Tanhill throwing three interceptions. Getting pressured quite a bit, though, in the first half especially. Second half, it got a bit better with the offensive line. First half, Andre Dillard starting at left tackle for the first time for the Titans in the regular season. He came over from the Philadelphia Eagles after he got benched last year um, in place of a rookie who beat him out. So uh, you have Andre Dillard playing left tackle for the Titans. He was pretty much putting the defender in Ryan Tannehill's lap in the very beginning of the game. And Tannehill just felt the pressure several times. The first interception he threw was to to DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins was streaking down the field, had two defenders around him. I would say he was more behind him than around him. If Ryan Tannehill had time to actually step into his throw, he could have probably thrown it to DeAndre Hopkins, past the defenders, and he would have gotten a first down um, and, and a big play. But a defender came in, the, the defensive end came in, hit Tannehill as he was throwing, and it turned into an, overthrow, an underthrown ball. Um, and turn into an interception first of the day. Um, so there are three interceptions in this game. Not not good for Tannehill. I mean, whenever he is has maybe one turnover or zero, um, they usually have a pretty good result. But in this game, you just can't have three interceptions. That's something that's 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 definitely something they need to address this week. And hopefully, he can clean that up. Um, I, I I tend to think that he's not going to have a three a three interception game again. I tend to feel as though that's just an anomaly. I, I think that that's something he can brush up on and fix, especially not having preseason play. He only had three plays in the preseason. We talked about it last week where he handed the ball off three times and that was it. So he's knocking the rust off. He hasn't played in a, in a significant game, starting a significant game since December of last year because he got injured, had the high ankle sprain, came back from the injury and now he's playing. So he hasn't played significant football since December. I'm going to slow my roll on passing judgment on Tannehill so far. John says, y'all might even start 0-4, and if you lose week 8 to the Falcons, Vrabel might not be might be on the hot seat. Um, I could see Tannehill being on the hot seat before I see Vrabel being on the hot seat. I think that, that because at, at that point, they can switch over to one of their quarterbacks, either Malik Willis or... or um, or Levis, but I think that Levis would probably get it in the end just because that's the guy that Mike Vrabel was the one who picked in the draft this year. Um, I think he'd probably be starting quarterback at that point. But again, we're, let's not get ahead of ourselves yet. Let's not get ahead of ourselves yet. John Suggs says Chargers, Browns, Bengals next three, then Colts, then Ravens, then bye, then Atlanta. Um, it'll be two interceptions, John says. Um, yeah, t- tough games. Again, I, Chargers did not see the defense that the Titans have this weekend, um, last weekend against the uh, Dolphins. So that'll be a good test for the Chargers, for sure, to see how they play. Last year against the Chargers, Titans played pretty well. 
So, and that was in Los Angeles. This is going to be a home game. It's still going to be a close game. I still think it'll be a close game. Titans play close games. Obviously, in this one, they lost by one point. And that was without the referees allowing a fumble recovery for a touchdown for Kevin Byard early in the game. That should have been. It was the same exact play, similar situation. Not same exact, because it was a bit different. Similar situation that we saw with the Jacksonville Jaguars last year in the in the the last week of the regular season. Derek Carr drops back, has the ball in his hand as he revs back. Before he starts pushing the ball forward to throw the football, Arden Key comes around the edge and rips the ball out of Derek Carr's hand. Derek Carr had a closed fist at that point and pushed the football forward with his fist. He did not have control as the ball was moving forward. All the analysts, all of the rules guys, Eugene Steratore on the broadcast, and even the broadcasters, everybody in the booth in that game. I didn't even listen to it because I was at the game, obviously. But afterwards, I listened to the, to the broadcast. Every single one said the play should be overturned. The play should be considered a fumble, and the Titans should get the ball where the recovery occurred, where the whistle blew at that point. And again, there was an inadvertent whistle that didn't happen in the Jacksonville Jaguars game. Hmm, interesting. Interesting. But it did happen here. So at that point, it wasn't a live ball once the whistle blew and that touchdown wouldn't have counted, even though Kevin Byer just saw green grass in front of him and sprinted towards the end zone with the big men running behind him, huffing and puffing. So I know it looked like a bad game. I know it looked ugly on offense. Defense looked really good. They gave up 16 points. Less than 100 yards rushing in this game. They gave up. Looked really good. Offense sputtered. But I think it's because there's no consi- there's no chemistry yet between DeAndre Hopkins, between Traylon Burks, between Chica Conquo. There were two wide open passes as well that Ryan Tannehill did not hit. One of which was a flea flicker to Chiga Conquo. He overthrew him. But after watching the play, Ryan got the ball back from the flea flicker. Felt pressure. I guess he was seeing ghosts out there because there was no one around him. And wanted to throw the ball immediately after he caught the ball from the flea flicker. Instead of taking a minute, taking a beat, and then lining up his throw to Chiga Conquo down the sideline, which would have been an open touchdown. Um, that didn't happen. Then he also had an, another open pass to uh, Tyree, Ty, Tajay Spears on the opposite sideline and threw him out of bounds. So um, tough break. Again, it, it's rust. I, I, I still am chalking up to rust. After I see, If I see it two weeks in a row or two of the next three weeks, I see Ryan Tannehill doing the same things. That's when I'll be concerned. I think it's still rust for the Titans. Tyler, did you see anything about the Titans? Did you watch any of the Titans game at all? Okay, cool. Just just no, checking. I did not. I That's was. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Um, John says, right? "Oh, here we go with the conspiracy against the Titans." John, John, did you watch the game? Did you watch the game? I, I want anybody in the chat still to type in the chat and let me know if you watched the game. Let me know if I'm wrong about that play. Derek Carr's hand did not have possession of the football when he pushed it forward. People actually watch the Titans, LOL. Who watches that bum team? John? I, don't, I honestly, I don't even remember what, it was at the, if it was at the noon or the 3 o'clock. It was like, noon. 
It was noon. Oh, yeah, no. I was watching the Steelers get crushed by the 49ers, and then I switched it to the Buccaneers game at the last second. Mm. Well, Granted, bum- either way, I wouldn't have gotten the Titans game. John, that bum team that you're talking about was the number one overall seed in the AFC two seasons ago. And almost won a game against Jacksonville Jaguars for a playoff berth led by Josh Dobbs in week 18 last year. Hey, don't talk bad about Josh Dobbs. He almost beat the commanders. They didn't win a Super Bowl, John. They have a they have a number one overall seed curse. That's the second time that's happened, and they lost both games in the divisional weekend. So, yeah. Thanks for bringing that up, John. Anyway, um, again, I'm not gonna blow. I'm not gonna, th- you know, toss up the white flag. I'm not gonna freak out. I, I, I was upset leaving the game. I was upset. First of all, the experience inside the Caesar Superdome was incredible. I, lo- I loved the Superdome. I loved an indoor stadium, which I cannot wait to have in Nashville in 2027. But it was loud. It was really loud. And for what they did that day, especially both teams just going back and forth, back and forth with field goals mostly, except for that one big X play that led to a touchdown, another X play that led to them not getting the ball back after they kicked a field goal to make it 15-16 to with a little more than two minutes left to go in the game, hoping to get the ball back. They gave up that big X play from Christian Fulton, uh, and that was the end of the game. But... Would I have gone for one other thing? Would I have gone for for fourth and six on the eleven yard line with two minutes and twenty seconds, two minutes thirty seconds left to go in the game? If I were the Titans, yes, I would have gone for it. At that point, you had Ryan Tannehill; he was throwing better in the second half. It seemed like he was on a better a better page with DeAndre, better page with Traylon. It just seemed like there was better chemistry there on offense. I would have put trust in him to get it there. If they did not get it on fourth and six, you have them down pinned on the 11 yard line where they're going to be probably a bit more cautious with the ball instead of throwing it around, probably running the ball, which we had been dominating the entire day. And the defense hadn't been doing very well on third down. The Titans defense was abysmal on third down uh, on, on Sunday. Not good, but they were bending, not breaking, only giving up Three points, three points, and that touchdown uh, and make it 16 altogether. But um, I, I would have gone for it on fourth and six. I, I think that was the that was a poor decision. Again, it's week one. It's a decision that Mike Grable probably shouldn't have made, but here we are. So that's my analysis. I know. Thank you for joining my TED Talk because that was a lot. Um, last but not least, we'll talk about it as we're getting out of here. Aaron Rodgers was on the field, an NFL field, in 2023 for 75 seconds. It's disappointing because you hate to see, like, a few... You hate to see somebody who's led your team for... It's 2008 go out. It's the way that I don't. you don't know if he's going to retire, if he's going to come back next season. I still think the Jets are going to be a good team to beat. Obviously, I don't have them making the playoffs this year because I thought that Rodgers was a little bit... I think his arm is starting to go a lot. You saw it last year. I think he's going to be a little bit worse this year. 
But I think with him being on the sideline, maybe taking a little that role of offensive coordinator a little bit, Nathaniel Hackett, I think that could be a great position for him to be in. Mentor Zach Wilson. I think we saw it yesterday too, him starting to sort of his mentoring come in a little bit with Zach Wilson. Obviously he didn't play the greatest, but I think he's a little bit more under control. Obviously Josh Allen, we talked about a bit, was just ecstatic everywhere. Three interceptions, two fumbles, one loss. Uh, 29 for 41, 236 yards. Zach Wilson had 14 for 21, 140. Touchdown. Brees Hall had a great game. 10 carries for 127 yards. He did. thought I was going to lose my fantasy league because of him, but luckily I had Garrett Wilson on my on my bench. But, like, obviously there's some plays there that Zach Wilson needs to hit, like that back shoulder that Garrett Wilson just basically had to be a defender and play a tip drill with. I think that could have been a better ball, but it's like I th- it just comes with time. And I think this is going to be the best place. Best thing for Zach Wilson is to learn. And obviously Rogers isn't going to be able to play, but him being on the sideline, look what he did with Matt Flynn. He got him the bag that following year because he had a four touchdown game versus the Lions. I think he could do the same thing for Zach Wilson, just being in his ear, talking about what he sees, what could change, everything like that. Well, you saw with hard knocks too, that he was doing that in the preseason already as well. I mean, the big, the big bomb, uh, the first bomb that Zach Wilson threw in the preseason was a ball that Aaron Rodgers called on the sideline. Said, just toss it. Toss it to Garrett. Garrett will get it. And he did. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's yeah. huge. Um, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think the mentor aspect of things will be good. I think Aaron Rodgers has... It seems like Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers have a good rapport at this point. I mean, they, they've yeah. been in the quarterback room. They, they, they've spent all offseason together. Seems like they, they're they're pretty in sync right now. So that will be a good, a good relationship to have moving forward. If you're Zach Wilson, trying to get that number one spot once again, as the quarter, the starting quarterback for the jets and Robert Sala has already come out saying he is our starting quarterback. Now, John Suggs asks, you think they go after a quarterback? Then he listens of names, Andy Dalton, Brandon Hoyer, Brian Hoyer, Nick Foles, Blake Bortles, Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, Jameis Winston. Um, Jameis Winston, I think that would be more of a starting quarterback if they were going after somebody. I think that the Saints like Jameis Winston just in case anything happens to Derek Carr, especially how long he's been in that system for the past few years. So I don't think Jameis Winston's going anywhere. Um, the other guys are going to be vet backups, and I think they'll need a vet backup. I think Robert Sollers already come out yeah. saying that they're looking at a vet backup. But at the end of the day, it's going to be um, it's going to be Zach Wilson's show at the end of the day. Colin Kaepernick's already said that his agents called saying that I just need a shot. I just need a shot. Give me a shot. Let me go out there and show you what I can do. Even though he's shown every single team what he can do the past few seasons at random camps at random times or whatever, and they still haven't signed him to a deal. So obviously he's not that good. When was the last time that Colin Kaepernick saw the field? 2017? 16? 17? No. A while no but you know i don't think they're gonna trade for one obviously if you get james you get andy dalton brian hoyer you have to trade for him i don't think they want to get traded for him i think you pro- i think honestly out of all these names i think you resign joe flacco is with the team last season a good veteran i mean hey a good veteran presence just a maybe yeah maybe maybe but, i don't know if he's no, a COVID think- guy though um john Sugg says know. he'll get a COVID shot instead of a regular shot um, and he also said, come on, sign Cam Newton. Cam, Cam, man, I'm telling you, once he started wearing, like, 
handkerchiefs on his head and stuff and just just all all about fashion or fashion in his mind quote unquote and everything that's when it just all went downhill for him very quickly i've been I, seeing him on tiktok all the yeah. time it's just like i'm like and he's like my my career is over because of xyz i'm like your career is over after you didn't die for the ball in the Super Bowl when you fumbled it. That's when your career was over. The other team said, I- "I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna you know, go after this know. guy." I don't know. I just don't trust Cam Newton. Like I would, I would still, I would resign Joe Flacco. Minimum that men, if give him the give him the Josh McCown contract. You could just come in on Sundays, make sure we don't make sure we don't have to play you. That's the thing. I, don't, I, I mean, house and go coach for Joe Flacco to me is going to be like the ve- the veteran mentor. He's not going to be a backup. I don't I think mean, Joe Flacco can play anymore. I, maybe I don't know. I I don't think he can. Last season, I don't think he can. I I think Joe Flacco would be in there as a a veteran mentor, which Aaron Rodgers is already there. So why would you do? You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. I think you find somebody that has veteran experience as a backup who will probably have a pretty good shot at being a starter at some point this season. John yeah, Suggs says Rodgers is done. Do you think that Rodgers comes back from this Achilles? Yes. Do I think he will be the same? No. I think, I think he'll come he will. Back. I think he'll come back just out of spite. Because he will be pissed off. I know. I it just came out like a few hours ago, like when he was when he was going to the locker room. Apparently, said to to the to Garrett Wilson, "I'm sorry, kid," which that it hurts because you know he wanted to win it for for the Jets. I, I'm not gonna be je- that jealous Packer fan and be like, "Oh, I'm glad he got hurt," and everything like that. But no, it it's sad because it's like you look at this team and you look at the amount of hype that this team had, and I think it was well warranted. You had a uh perennial quarterback obviously is in his wonder years at 39 but it it's disappointing to see him go out like this and it's like you wanted him to have a good career i think a lot of people a lot of packers fans wanted him to have a good career and they're and now they're switching to the jets for their afc team i think they're still going to be jets fans because rogers is on it obviously he's not the starting quarterback anymore but it's one of those things too where it's like yeah you're going to be the favorite team there's a lot of people writing them off because they because they lost him and they have Zach Wilson, but yeah, it's John, gonna be rough. John also says he'll be out a minimum of twelve months. Takes a much younger guy twelve months, and he is forty. Um, he also says didn't Green Bay lose a first round pick since Rodgers won't play sixty five percent of snaps this year? Absolutely, yeah, it'll correct. be a it'll second be a round instead. second round now. Which mm-hmm. again, I again, I don't really. Obviously, you wanted that first round pick, but I think. I think if anything, getting that second round pick, I think it's fine. I think this year, this draft class this year is a lot, is very very deep in some aspects, and I think we'll be fine with the second round pick. And I finally found some uh, backup quarterbacks to get uh, Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, okay. Or Carson Wentz. Yeah, that's right. Carson Wentz is out there, and and apparently you remember that picture he posted training a few weeks ago and he had all sorts of different all sorts of different gear on from different teams he's played on the past few seasons someone shared that picture and says he needs to get a jets glove now so i mean i he can easily add to that wardrobe if he just gives him a call shows him what he can do on the field as a backup and go from there 
Yeah. Um, Matt Ryan, but I don't think he wants to come back for that. CJ Beathard. I even think RG3 talked about being a guy that would want to come back, that would have that drive. Then there are other guys that are out there that don't have that drive to come back. I know he was talking about... He hinted at it. I know he was hinting at it, but I remember he was on an interview with somebody. I don't remember where. I saw it on his TikTok. But he was talking about, like, how the NFL was his, like, like why he did it sort of thing. And him coming back to the Ravens was sort of, like, his ending point, I think it was. I don't think he want to come back. I think he likes what he does as, like, a broadcaster. But I wouldn't be surprised. And John Suggs says Gardner Minshew's out there. But, uh, but Gardner is and the Colts. Gardner's on the Colts. Mm-hmm. He's on the Colts He's right the backup now. quarterback for Anthony Richardson, which uh, if, he, if Anthony Richardson goes down with more injuries, which he did on Sunday – then uh, they'll need Gardner Minshew, so they're not going to trade him. Yeah, they're not going to trade him. I think best bet is just sign somebody in free agency, try to get somebody. I think there's a few quarterbacks on uh, free agents on practice squads. I mean, looking could, looking at Carson be... Wentz, looking at Carson Wentz, like a guy like that, having Aaron Rodgers in the room with you, being a mentor for both Zach Wilson and Carson Wentz, might not be a bad idea. No, it would not. I think that would probably be, I think out of all of them, I think that's probably, I, I think that would be the one that I would want to go to because he sort of has that same Wilson, Wentz, and Rodgers all sort of have that same, I don't want to say build, but same mentality of, I'm going to chuck it. Obviously, I'm not, Rodgers is an anomaly with how accurate he is, but you have Zach Wilson, who's not willing to chuck it, wants, can run a bit. Wentz, chucks it can run a bit they all have sort of like the same build i think that would probably be the best bet for the jets if they want to look at wentz and try to bring him in see if he can play a bit and throw the rock around john says be the funniest thing if they sign brady brady's not coming back about that brady's not coming back no i don't think he is i think he's done finally but I, i there's been some rumors that that could happen and i'm just like please don't just leave no i he just saw what happened with aaron Rodgers not playing in the preseason he hasn't played it in the preseason at all either. I mean, he's probably like, dang, if I Gives get on turf, if I get on turf, then I, I might have the same injury. Speaking of turf, before we go, I want to pop up this one tweet as well. That David Bakhtiari, former offensive lineman for Green Bay Packers and with Aaron Rodgers oh, for quite still. some time. Current too. Yes, current, current too. Um, he tweeted out, so WTF, that injury is turf related. Can we put an end on to this shit already? He also said, congrats, NFL. How many more players have to get hurt on artificial turf? You care more about soccer players than us. You plan to remove all artificial turf for the World Cup coming up. So clearly it's feasible. I'm sick of this. Do better. Being a former football player yourself, have you played on turf before? Yes, I have. I have played on both turf and grass. But in my defense, I'm going to say this right now. In my defense for this, the grass that we played on was not cared for at all. It was not wet. It was very, very bad grass. It wasn't like it wasn't well prepared. Like obviously, if you have a grass field, you gotta you gotta you gotta wet it. You gotta do all this stuff to take it, take care of it. And it wasn't taken care of, so that's why my defense. I like the turf better because it's able to be taken care of. You just sort of go out there and you don't really need to water it. You just sort of do the same thing. Because a lot of the times when I was playing on grass, it was hard. It was hard dirt, not 
wet in any slightest, anything like that. It wasn't taken care of. There's bumps everywhere. It was just bad, everything like that. But it's like, I see if there's, if I'm getting paid multiple, multiple millions of dollars, I would want grass because it's a lot better for you. It's forgiving. actually like run forgiving. Whereas mm-hmm. like with turf, it's very, very hard. If it's hard dirt, then that's why it's like, I would like the turf more because it's a little bit more forgiving, but it, I could see the reason why they a lot of people want the grass because it's like, it's very forgiving. And I, I miss watching all this graph, grass field and I miss seeing players as soon as they get tackled have a great thing of dirt stuck in their face mask with it, yep. just grass going up everywhere. Like, I miss that because it was just nice. And now it's like, you don't really see that anymore. Just like the, like just seeing that, I wish I could see that again because it was just fun seeing the seeing how fast they were running because of the dirt flying off their cleats like it's, yeah. just, it's just a cool thing yeah john Sugg says haven't players complained on non-turf during heavy rain games in the past yes they have they also complained about the super bowl last year as well saying that if it wasn't as wet as the field was then it probably would have been a different result philadelphia was saying yeah. that that their their defense was in a a poor state because of how drenched this the field was so yes there are ways that i mean there are people saying that that grass might not be the best um there is a new turf that is out as well this year um it's actually been out for a little while now it's microfilament instead of the rubber balls that you see on most turf fields um the titans actually installed that this year at nissan stadium we'll see how injuries play a part this year for the team because they had had a grass field for many years since the beginning of the Titans here in Nashville. However, that field looks atrocious halfway through the season because of the weather. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, apparently it's like a coconut husk and something, yeah. um, the fill backfill on the, the turf itself. So apparently it's supposed to be better than just the rubber balls, but we'll see how that goes throughout the season. Uh, John also says Oakland complained, complained for years playing on a baseball field. Um, yes, I and that's the reason that. why they got I the miss, new stadium. I miss the old Oakland Coliseum football game, seeing the diamond in it. it was silicone just cool. versus rubber. Are you saying silicone's better, John? Hmm. Um... But yeah, I I think that there there needs to be a happy medium somewhere. There's never going to be. That's Everybody knows this. It's not going to be. That's the thing. Complain about everything. Well, and safety too. I mean, that, that that's something they just need to look at more is safety as well. Um, it's just kind of tough. John says, think this new field is silicone type instead of the true rubber. Uh, are, are we talking about the? One last night, the Jets met MetLife Stadium. I don't think they have the new one. I think they still have the rubber. But I think he's talking about the... The Titans one? The one that you're just talking about, yeah. Hmm. I think it was like a microfilament. They said microfilament stadium. Turf Titans. Let's see. Um, he said, yes, the Titans. So, it is... Uh, new cutting edge turf replacing the grass with microfilament matrix helix turf with organic infill. Um, this will provide players with a consistent playing experience year round. 
Um, let's see if this is anything else here. Retains moisture better than rubber infill to mimic the feel and performance of natural gas, while the Matrix Helix design of the turf limits infill splash upon contact. So I don't think I don't think there's necessarily even rubber inside. It might be, the grass might be silicone itself, um, but it's like co- coconut uh, husk and um, something along those like coconut. But they have to like refill it. The the infill itself. Yeah. So I just pulled up a new turf thing, and the first thing that showed up was new turf at MetLife, August twenty three, twenty twenty three. I'm a fan of grass for sure, but got to admit it, I like wearing the seven studs and playing on grass, but I like the feel. It's supposedly the newest and the greatest, said just quarterback Aaron Rodgers. There's obviously been a lot of conversation about grass field compared to turf field, but I like the but I feel like the other night it's been it's one of the best surfaces I've seen that's artificial. Uh, you know, I don't I think if he could find a time machine right now, and go back to that quote, I think you'd probably not say it. I, I hope a reporter comes out, though, when it's kind of further in the future, not not so recent, to where they say, hey, remember that quote you said about that field? Do you still feel that same way after having this Achilles injury? I don't know. Just it's, I just like seeing like all these people be like, yeah, we want grass, after saying, like, yeah, the turf is... I get, obviously, they want to have the grass, but it's like, then why do you say the turf was good? Yeah, yeah. For the season. like I mean, like, I, again, no, we there's want... going to be advancements in turf. Yeah. Like, th- th- this new turf at Titan Stadium is an advancement. Again, we'll look at the injuries to see if the injuries increase or decrease, because obviously the Titans were the most injured team the past two seasons in the league. So, as of right now, we're relatively healthy. Uh, I know that Christian Fulton had the, the hamstring issue last game in the Saints. Um, there was also an injury with Kyle Phillips, but I think that happened um, in the preseason sometime when they were away. They weren't at home. They were away, I believe. Or it might have actually happened at home, but it was a knee injury on a, a kick return. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I think at the end of the day, I think it's it's good they're doing this new field. It'll look better throughout the entire season. Um, and I haven't heard yeah. many players talking about it feeling bad playing on it because they've, they've played on it all training camp as well. It's it's over at St. Thomas Sports Park as well as their as their field. So they've been playing on it there. They've been playing on it in games at Nissan. They've only played one game there so far. So we'll see how it goes throughout the season. But fingers crossed, it doesn't turn into more injuries. That would be detrimental for the Titans. Yeah. Um, but other than that, though, I think that's it for this evening. Thank you so much for watching tonight here on Out of Bounds. If you want to, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Twitch as well. We're always streaming there every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time right here on JDF Media. Also, we have a podcast as well. This turns to a podcast the next morning. Released at 9 a.m. Eastern time, I believe. So follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, uh, Spotify as well. Follow us there, subscribe to us, leave us a five-star review. We'd love to get your your support there as well. If you don't like the show, then don't give us a review. But if you like the show, give us five stars. We'd, we'd really appreciate that. Tyler, you have anything else to say before we head out? No. I just hope we don't get our butts kicked this week by uh, one of the top teams in Wisconsin high school sports. We are facing number seven oh. in Division I football this week. Okay. Well, good luck for that. Yeah. 
Uh, let me know how it goes. We'll talk about it next week on the show to see how it, how it goes. It's a good barometer. Good barometer for the season. Just to see. Hopefully better, hopefully, hopefully better than last week because last week we got our butts kicked by a rival 56-0. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't so, happen again. You guys got to step it yeah. up. Yeah. Guys, gotta step it up. We're trying. Um, We're trying. Good, good. Each week, get better. To Ryan Tannehill said, "You know, every every week, get better." Hopefully, he doesn't throw three interceptions this coming up week against Chargers in Nashville, where I will be there. First home game of the season. Very excited about that. But thanks for watching once again, guys. Thanks for listening as well. If you're listening to the audio version of this, and we will talk to you next Tuesday.